views and opinions expressed in Cold and Missing are exclusively those of the hosts. All parties mentioned are considered innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. Cold and Missing also contains adult themes and languages and is intended for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, everyone. Hello. Welcome back to Cold and Missing. I am your co-host, Eli, and this is my lovely wife, Allie McLaughlin, and I'm your host for Cold and Missing. Welcome back, everyone. Hope you enjoyed our new intro music. Yeah, that's really... That was a great choice, honey. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Well, I narrowed it down to eight, and then I had Eli help me pick out from those finalists. So, hope you all enjoyed. We love us. We love a spooky stringed instrument. Always. We love a fast-paced, nerve-wracking, spooky sound. Love it. That's why the violin was invented. <laughs> For scaring people. Yeah. Um, originally, when the violin like came out, it was associated with the devil. That's why you know the devil went down to Georgia, and he plays a violin because. You could, like, be so rhythmatic with a violin kind of for the first time that people were like, well, this is the devil's music for sure because people are dancing. (laughs) Fun fact, Allie actually plays the violin. She won't brag about herself on here, but I will for her. She is a human of many talents, and she can slay on the the old fiddle. It's called sawing (laughs) when it's on a fiddle. Oh, sorry. (laughs) What did I say? She can... She can chop the fiddle. I didn't say that, but... Uh, no, he said... I don't even remember what you said. <laughs> okay, so... I'm about to be sad about something. Oh, yes. Really sad? Is this cold or missing? So, this is missing, okay. but he is considered endangered missing. Okay. So, the police do not think that he is alive. Understood. I am ready to be hurt. So, today... We're going to be talking about the missing person case of Travell Lamar Henley. And he was 15 years old when he went missing July 2nd, 1999 in Columbus, Ohio. Today, he would be 38 years old. In July of 1999, Travell is living on the 1300 block of Republic Avenue with his grandmother and brother. His grandma had raised both him and his brother since infancy, so this is his home, the really the only home he's ever known. He We love grandmas who are mamas. We love grandmas who are mamas. Yeah. Travell was a student at Medina Middle School where it's reported that he loved sports and reading. He went by the nickname Nuke. (laughs) And at the time of his disappearance, it was reported that he was trying to join a gang in Columbus called the Blood Street Villains. And it was possible that he was jumped into the gang already when he went missing. And I only bring this up because it's important later. So Friday, July 2nd, 1999, Travell was last seen by his younger brother walking to the home of Dalen Green. Now, Dalen is 19 years old, and he lives on the 1200 block of Republic Avenue. So he's just one block away. He's very close to where Travell and his brother live. As the day goes on, July 2nd, into the evening, his grandmother, her name is Rhonda, Rhonda begins to worry about him as he has not checked in. And according to Rhonda, he was always on time, 
And she said he always contacted her. So this is very odd that he is not home or letting her know where she is at this time. Okay. So he's, he's responsible. We know this about him. Yes. Like communicative. It, okay. Yeah. He's communicative. He doesn't do this. Um, this is very strange for him to not be in touch with his grandmother. So Saturday, July 3rd, 1999, this is the next day, Travell's grandmother reports him missing. And Rhonda tells police that on June 28th, so this would be four days before he was last seen, before his disappearance, he had been shot in the hand and was wearing a cast on his left hand. Jeez. Oh. So on June 28th, 1999, so this was, again, four days before his disappearance, this is what his grandmother reports is happening on June 28th. So while he was walking near his home, somebody assaults Travell and shoots him. And Travell goes to help nearby to Daylin's house, because remember, Daylin lives very close to him and his grandma. So he goes to Daylin's house for help after he is shot. And Travell comes back to his grandmother's house with Daylin, who offers to drive them both to the hospital. So him and Daylin are now at his grandmother's house, his grandma Rhonda's house. And they all three of them go to the hospital. And Rhonda says while getting treated at the hospital, Dalen stayed very close to Travell the whole time. So while he was being treated, while he was being stitched up and get the cast put on, Dalen did not leave his side. Travell was put into a cast and discharged that same day. He didn't have to stay in the hospital. But later that same night, so this is still June 28th, the same day he was shot, Travell tells his grandmother, Rhonda, that there was no assault and that he had shot himself at Daylin's house. To make it look like he had been initiated or something? See, I don't, I don't know if maybe this is like two young men who have a gun and they're like, you know, looking at it, kind of playing with it and it accidentally goes off, oh, you know? Because yeah. I'm thinking... And I, I couldn't find confirmation of this, but I'm thinking if you're right-handed, you know, you have it, the gun in your right hand with the trigger, you know, on your right hand. And if you're kind of holding it and looking at it, you know, your left hand's nearby, like it could go off kind of easily and like jostling it. So I don't know mm -hmm. if something like that happened and maybe there was like a worry about honesty at the hospital or honesty in the beginning or if there was somebody who assaulted him and they didn't want to go further with the police and so this is just his way to lie about it you know sure. what i mean yeah so i i don't know exactly the truth behind the gunshot it's reported again and again that he says an assault happened. They go to the hospital. Later that night, he tells his grandmother he actually did it at Daylin's house. So we're still in the beginning of July, and Travell is missing, but there's really no big effort to find this middle schooler. There's no searches being done, um, no like big grid searches like we talked about mm -hmm. in Tianda's and Diamond's case. Nothing, nothing even remotely close to that. Nothing really happens with his case again. Like, he's not mentioned until fall of 1999. So that's the same year that he goes missing. But summer has passed, and now we enter into the fall. And details around these next few pieces of information are very 
iffy. They have been reported a lot of different ways. I think I have a general understanding of what happened, but there's there are some questions here that we'll go over. So, okay. fall of 1999, the home that Travel was last seen at goes up in a fire. So this would be Dalen Green's house. Wow. So while investigating the fire, police find blood stains, a spent shell casing, Travel's ID, living room carpet that had been cut out and was missing, like a section of the living room carpet was missing as opposed to all of the carpet was missing, just a section of it was. Okay. And additional clothing and handguns are also found, but unclear if those are related to Travel. So there are, there's some questions about what comes first, the fire or the search. So I have seen it reported both ways that the police search, find these things. They're searching for Travel, so they go to the house he was last seen. I don't know why this is happening months later and not a day later. Like, he's a middle school boy. Yeah. But I've seen it reported both ways of where they search first and then a fire breaks out at the home. And then... This narrative, which seems to be reported more, and I found an interview with police where they say the fire happens first and then the search happens as a result of the fire. There are also reports that this home that Daylin Green was living in was technically vacant at the time that Travel went missing, but again, this isn't very clear, um, and it's only mentioned once or twice. And I don't know if during the summer of 1999, if it was not vacant and then in the fall just became vacant. I'm not sure, but that is also mentioned about this home. So after finding bloodstains, a spent shell casing, Travel's ID, a section of the living room carpet missing, and then the additional clothing and handguns, police believe that a homicide has occurred and Travel is no longer alive. So this is fall of 1999. Police do suspect that Dalen Green did kill Travel, but to date, no charges have been brought against him. And at this time, Dalen is 19, but he does have a pretty extensive criminal record, um, and most of them are violent crimes at this time. But Travel who I mentioned, um, it's reported that he wanted to join a gang, and Dalen was in that gang, the Blood Street villains. But Travel has no criminal history at all. So that's 1999. That's the fall of 1999. They suspect he's dead, but they still, no searches are done to recover his body. To date, not a single search or canvas has been done to find Travel's remains. And even with this home, this initial search is done, but, you know, nothing else was done to the home that's reported, at least. There was no, you know, like, ground-penetrating sonar, like, walking the grounds to see. This would have been just a few months later, so you would have been able to just visually see if the ground was had been disturbed or something like that. And so, October of 2009, so this is 10 years later, Mm-hmm. Taiwan Sanders, and this is Travel's brother, who was the last person to see him walking to Dayling's greenhouse on July 2nd. So Taiwan, he was shot to death during an argument at 22 years old. And the murderer was caught and sentenced, and it's not believed that it's related at all to Travel. 
I just feel so bad for Rhonda because this is her other grandchild that she's been raising since he was a baby. Yeah. And her he, children. Yeah. He's murdered. Yeah, he's murdered at 22 years old, which is so young. So December of 2014, the local um, media in Columbus, they run Travel's story again. And Rhonda, at this time, she is a lung cancer survivor. She had lung cancer for six years. She was diagnosed. Wow, Rhonda, St. Rhonda. St. Rhonda. Truly. She was diagnosed after Travel went missing. She went through six years of treatment. And Holy when she, cow. yeah, wow. that's a long time. Yeah. And I, I know part of her lung was also removed. So this woman has been through so much. And at the very least, she deserves to have her grandson's remains. Yeah. So she knows where he is. Like, and that's all she wants in this interview in 2014. She just wants Travel's remains so that way she can be at peace. It's like the bare minimum of, quote, like, justice in this type of situation. It's just, yeah. like, having base knowledge and, like, your loved one, like, back with you in some way, even though they can never be with you in the way that they should be, you know? Yeah, but, you know, one thing that I read and I hear again and again from loved ones of people who are missing, it's, you know, they, they want them home. Like, yeah dead, alive, they want to know where they are. They don't want them lying out in some field. You know, they want yeah. a place where they can be remembered. And, you know, that's it's so in us as a species. Like, it's such an ancient practice to, like, bury your dead or, like, do... To mourn. Mourn is, like, I, I would say is, yeah. like, it, it's... Mourning is just as natural as living. Because yes. it's a part of life. Yeah. And... You know, mourning your dead for every culture, like, kind of has specific motions to R- walk through. Rituals? Yeah, like rituals. And to deny family those comfort of rituals and the process of, like, that ritual in mourning is so cruel. Yeah. So with Travel's case, when I first found it, I was like, well, there's going to be so much news on this. This is going to be such a juicy case. But really, that's all the information I have. And I, you know, I started to feel a little bit mad about it. Like, why did this middle school boy, why was there no search done? Like, why was there no search? Why has there never been a search done to recover his body? Like... In, you know, like, kind of my anger and researching this, Travell is a young black man. Yeah, I was going to say, statistically, I think we all know why. Yes. <laughs> um, but I found this foundation. They're called the Black and Missing Foundation. They're incredible. So their main purpose is just getting media involved in covering the disappearance of black indigenous people of color like that is their mission and their goal is to level the playing field in media coverage when it comes to missing people so hell yeah a big reason um and again i've learned all of this from the black and missing foundation um a big reason that black children aren't a bigger priority within the media uh, when they go missing. So, for example, why this 15-year-old boy, because, again, he is a boy. He is a middle schooler, a boy. Um, 
you know, black children are often classified as runaways right away, even when there's no history of that. And we, And like the adultification mm-hmm. of black children. Yes. And that like <laughs> their adolescence isn't the same. Mm-hmm. As, like that doesn't yeah. Right. We could go on and on, but sorry. Please continue. But if you're classified as a runaway, you automatically do not qualify for an Amber Alert, which can be like such a big resource in getting children back quickly, especially in those critical first few hours. But if police believe that they walked away on their own, which police usually believe that black children do, even when there's no evidence of that and evidence to the contrary even, um, they will still be classified as runaways. And then also um, missing by POC, so that if our listeners don't know, that's black, indigenous, people of color, so by POC. So missing by POC, children and adults are labeled and associated um, with criminal involvement, gangs, and drugs. So this racist idea that by POC people have ins and outs with crime on the daily um, and that this is just part of their lives is also a reason that there's no media coverage because it's like, well, this is just part of their day-to-day life. Yeah, just the systemic racist assumption. Yes. So that is why that I mentioned Travell. It was rumored that he wanted to join this gang. But police say that there are the, that there's this rumor, but in my mind, I'm also like, well, is it just a 15-year-old boy who's hanging out with an older kid in the neighborhood? You know what I mean? Sure. And just because Dalen was associated with this gang, did Travell just get lumped in automatically? And that's why it was like, well, he wanted to join this gang, so he was probably jumped in and they killed him on accident, you know? But, like, even with that said, like... Gang members are still people. Yes. You know, like, I don't care. Like, (laughs) gang violence is always a product of other failings in the system. So, like, children, like, black children go missing because of other systemic racism issues, no childcare, um, poverty, systemic poverty, generational poverty, where, you know, families cannot climb out of it. Um, what was some of the other things? I just want to quote black and missing as much as possible since they are the, the, the resource, the resource. Yeah. yeah, And that, you know, they are doing the work. Um, so Around 41% of the population that is missing are by POC people, so black, indigenous, people of color. So that's 41% of the missing population. But when you look at the number, the population, you know, white versus by POC, that it, it, it is wildly skewed that black people, indigenous people, people of color will go missing more than white people and it will take longer to find them Mm -hmm. almost always. Um, So here at Cold and Missing, you know, we are firmly Black Lives Matter. We firmly believe that, um, feels strange to even have to say it, but I know we do. And part of the Black and Missing Foundation, part of their goal is to balance the scales in media coverage. So this week, with the disappearance of a 
Eliza Fletcher is actually like a really great example of the missing white woman syndrome, which is what dominate, you know, missing coverage. Yeah. Like if a person is missing, if she is a white, attractive woman, she is going to get national, if not international media coverage, that fact that she went missing. And we saw this to be true with Eliza Fletcher this week. She was a 34 year old white woman who was abducted during her morning run on September 2nd. National coverage ensued. As I think it should, I and I want to be clear, like Black and Missing Foundation has said, like, do they think that, you know, people like Eliza Fletcher deserve less media coverage? No, but every missing person deserves this kind of media coverage. Every missing person. Um, yeah, more room, like more room for me doesn't mean less room for you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> We also, um, you know, as consumers of true crime, you know, like we also have a responsibility to like kind of seek out stories that are different from what we look at to educate ourselves. Mm -hmm. You know, the missing white woman syndrome really makes a hunger for stories about victims that look like Eliza to the exclusion of all others, which is the problem. Like we can't just focus to the exclusion of others. We need everybody to get this kind of coverage, national media coverage, especially with missing people. They can go missing so quickly and move so quickly that, you know, local coverage is great. Like we saw great local coverage with Tianda and Diamond Bradley when they went missing, but nationally they didn't get that coverage. And those girls could have been in any state at that time when mm-hmm. they've been missing for years. So national coverage is so important. But yeah, this this missing case to me, and, and the fact that it's in 1999, is no different from like the black murdered and missing children of Atlanta back in the 60s. Mm-hmm. Like, like Travell got as much coverage as those children. Mm-hmm. 30, 40 years later. Right. And the thing is, it seems very solvable. Like, it seems like police kind of have everything, right? Like, you seem to know where he was killed at, like this house. You seem to have a prime suspect. But, like, why can't you, like, why has no search ever been done for his body? It's not like it's a city that doesn't have the money to... Yeah, this is... Provide the resources for a search. Yeah, this is a big city in Ohio, you know? But, to date, no searches for Travell's body has ever been done. His body has not been recovered. Rhonda, as best as I can tell, she is still alive. I couldn't find anything that said differently for her, but she deserves answers. This incredible grandmother raising her two grandchildren who are both murdered, that's completely unfair and no family should have to go through that. But then also her going through six years of cancer treatment, like the very least that (laughs) this woman deserves everything, but at the very least she deserves to know where her grandson is that has been missing since 1999. So Travell was last seen. He was wearing a cast on his left hand. He has black hair, brown eyes, a scar on his lower lip, and a scar on the crown of his head. He goes by the nickname Nuke. 
he is considered to be dead at this time. So if you have any information about what happened to him in 1999, July of 1999, where his remains would be, if you have any information at all pertaining to Travel, please call the Columbus Police Department at 614-645-4545. Sources for today's podcast come from the Columbus Dispatch, WTTV News, The Charlie Project, and the Black and Missing Foundation. And if you want to know more about the Black and Missing Foundation, or if you want to review some of the cases that they are handling right now, if you want to visit them, I'm going to link their website in the show notes, so that way you can go directly there. You can donate to the cause. There's also an incredible documentary on HBO about the Black and Missing Foundation and the work that they do. And it's if you like true crime, you're going to love this. Very good. It's four-part um, series and it's very it's very good it dives into what they do it goes into some of their success stories of bringing missing people home but then also highlights people who are still missing so it's just it's a really great watch and these women um, who run the foundation are very incredible and are doing god's work out here so that's it though that's all i have on travel unfortunately well hopefully once again this episode maybe opens some some doors, uncovers some things, and uh, this case can maybe get moving again. Yeah. Yeah, because Miss Rhonda, she deserves answers to yeah. everything. Yeah. That's all I can think about. Travel deserves justice, and he deserves to be brought home. But, but she deserves some, some peace. She deserves much peace. So thank you all for listening. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, leave us a little review. We love it. Also, if you'd like to hop over to our Instagram, uh, Cold and Missing is releasing some podcast stickers that we are just doing as giveaways, and our Instagram will have more information about that. Yeah, so hop on over to our Instagram. You can find us at Cold and Missing. If you have any cases that you would like us to cover, if there's a cold case or a missing person case that means a lot to you in your life, please email us at coldandmissing at gmail.com. Have a lovely week. Have a good week, y'all.